good to see you guys. Don't forget, v- Vacation Bible School is coming up. You do not want to miss it. It is going to be absolutely terrific. It's one of my favorite things we do all year long. Well, it's good to see you guys. I, have, I want to share with you one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Now, I've got a lot of favorites, but this is one that is so good. This, is, this comes out of Colossians 1, verse 19. Listen to this, and this is called the message paraphrase. It says, so spacious is he, speaking of Jesus, so spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. That means Jesus is so big. How big is he? He's so big. He's so mighty. God is so huge that it says he makes all things come together. And so that's why we've been talking about earlier in the, in, in the morning, we talked about the importance of putting our hope and trust in Jesus. But what some people do, they, let's say this, 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 this vase represents just a, a regular person. All right? And they put their life is filled with all kinds of good things and bad things and things they were hoping for, things they were not hoping for. Just It's just kind of life. And then when things go wrong, they say, I think maybe Jesus needs to come along and help me. And let's say these three balls represent Jesus. Well, the problem with this is Jesus is on top of all of this and, and the, the person is, is trying to say, God, I want you to impact my life. But it's kind of hard for Jesus to get into the middle of everything when all we do is just tack Jesus on. Just when, like back years ago when I was in school, whenever I had a a big heart exam, I would pray and say, Jesus, help me with my exam. Yeah. Well, I hadn't studied. (laughs) And I actually was not much of a follower of Jesus at the time anyway. And so I was just kind of using Jesus as a lucky rabbit's foot or just, you know, a genie Jesus to come and help me in my problems. What this verse says, says, So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in Jesus. So what we want to do is invite you to ask Jesus to come into your heart, and you put him first. Then when life happens, all the good things, all the bad things, all the things you'd hoped for, Things that you had not hoped for. Where is he? He's in there. He's in the middle of everything. He's touching everything. And that's the importance of why we always want, want people to come to know Jesus. We want them to come to know Jesus because Jesus can make all things work together for good. So even when bad things happen at school or outside of school, even when that happens, when Jesus lives in your heart, he can impact and and. and and help you in huge ways that otherwise you just tack him on the outside. Does that make sense? Get it? Get it? Good. All right. You guys can head back to your seats. Well, this is a great opportunity for us to share how God is working in our church. Uh, it, there are numerous verses that would probably uh, drive our church mission. But Acts 1.8 says, But you will, re- will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, 
Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So in the context of that, you'll be my witnesses in Lincoln or Lancaster, all right? And Judea would be Nebraska. Samaria would be the U.S. And to the ends of the age would be where these people have been going representing Jesus Christ. And so I, I, I look at our, our strategy at, at New Cove and we call it internal, local, and global. Internal would be the things that we do here, downstairs. Local, where we're involved with other, other things that are going on, missions in our church and in our city. And Vacation Bible School also fits because it fits in as we reach outside the walls of New Cove. Uh, we have Builders for Christ who go to, in fact, they're going to Ohio, Dayton, Ohio this year to build a church. And so they have opportunity to impact the United States. But these folks here, here, I want you just to hear a little bit about their story. And again, it will be just a little bit of the story. Next Sunday, right after church, we're going to go into detail. We're going to call it And Then Some. They have amazing stories about how God worked in and through them. And so I want you to be able to hear their stories. And you can sign up on the newcupchurch.org slash events page. I'll give it to you at the end of the service. But first, let me introduce you to Rachel, uh, Rachel Norton. Rachel, you have attended New Cove for how long? Let's see, I think 22 years. Yes, I was thinking it's been since you were born. <laughs> and uh, Rachel has uh, been, spent some time in Germany, so uh, you're back for a little while. So describe the spiritual environment in Berlin, will you? Yeah, so... Um, I am living in Berlin, Germany. Um, Berlin, it's, the Germans kind of joke how Berlin is not Germany. I mean, it really is, but it's just a very unique part of the country. Um, So the spiritual climate in Berlin is a lot different than other parts of Germany, and a lot of that has to do with its history. So Berlin, um, half of the city used to be a different country, and um, a lot of The city of Berlin is made up of foreigners. 40% of the people in Berlin are foreign-born. And it's just this unique combination of different beliefs and different backgrounds. And statistically, Berlin, more than 60% of people in Berlin identify as atheist or agnostic. So spiritually, yes, there is um, some aspects of spirituality from other religions, but a lot of people they just really, they don't believe anything. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in a higher power. So I would say, um, from my experience in Berlin, it is just a dry spiritual desert. Um, I know we had some people come visit us on the field last year, and their response was, yeah, it's just, it's just dry. There's not a lot here when it comes to spirituality. So talk about some of the challenges that you're facing as you try to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so in Berlin, um, my team works with various different people groups, but I specifically work with German individuals in Berlin, and a lot of these individuals have no religious affiliation, and If you kind of think about it, here in the United States, a lot of us identify as Christian, and our parents identify as Christian, and our grandparents identify as Christian, but it's the opposite in Berlin. People identify as atheists, and their parents are atheists, and their grandparents are atheists. 
So there's just not a lot of understanding of spiritual topics, especially when it comes to Christianity and the Bible. Um, It's actually interesting because when you do start talking about the Bible, um, a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of the Germans that I work with will be like, oh yeah, kind of like Greek mythology, right? Wow. So they don't see it as truth. They just see it as another ancient text. What does progress look like then? How do, you, how do you ascertain how God's at work? What does progress look like? So progress is very, very, very slow in Berlin. Um, I have some colleagues that have been there for 10 years, and they say the most progress that they've seen is people decide that there could be a higher power. And it's, it's very easy to get discouraged and burned out in Berlin, especially as an international worker there. Um, I would say you kind of have to have the right mindset. And the mindset that I try to adopt is, yeah, in my time in Berlin, I may not be seeing people come to follow Jesus. But what I can do is I can be a part of somebody's story. Maybe I'll be the first Mm -hmm. conversation that they have about Jesus in like a series of 50 conversations. And also, um, I just see it as my role, like, to put pebbles in their shoes, just kind of give them things to think about, um, yeah, and just give myself the freedom, too. Like, I, I might just be a part of their story, I, and that's okay. Like, God wants us to plant seeds, and um, he wants us to just disciple people around us, even if that's in a very um, unique way. And, and that's something we've talked about uh, all the time at New Cove is to look and say, figure out where does God have me placed and who are those people around me that need to know Jesus and to give them the opportunity to hear Jesus. And sometimes we're just a part of the story. Uh, Jeff Brown always used to say, it's slow but urgent work. It's slow, but it's urgent, and people need to know that. All right, now, there's a little bit of difference in age between you and these people that you're surrounded with. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So tell me, how, how's it, what's it like to be in your age and being out of missions? What would you say to young people here? Oof. I would say, um, I think one of the biggest things that hinders, especially people who are younger, to pursue global missions is fear. And I know for me personally, that's something that I really experienced when I felt like God was calling me to go overseas for a period of time. And I would just say, it's okay to wrestle with that fear and figure out where that fear is coming from. And it's better to wrestle with that fear than totally ignore the call in itself. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say, wrestle with that And then even to remember, like, it's okay to um, maybe go to Central Asia for a week. It's okay to be involved in global missions in the local community. You don't have to feel spooked out because you have to do all of these really big things. Um, You can take baby steps. You don't have to just fully jump into it. So that's what I would say. Great. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, I know Rachel would be more than willing to... Uh, spend some time with you. If you have to see her after church, grab her, her number and get hold of her. I know she would have uh, much more to say. So Marty, you kind of headed up uh, our, our Central Asia team trip to Central Asia. So 
uh, here's a question I'd like to ask you. Some think that Muslims are hard to reach for Christ. What is your experience? So, uh, yes, Muslims can be difficult to reach with Christ. My experience uh, in Central Asia, we intentionally went to a place where we had some uh, former Muslims who were, uh, we were assisting, and their countrymen were coming to visit uh, for a holiday, and uh, we were able to partner up and then just be tourists together. And part of this holiday uh, consisted of giving a gift, and so we brought the Book of John and uh, some videos uh, to share with the people that we're, we were meeting. And uh, what was my experience? My experience was it was relatively easy to speak about Jesus with a number of Muslims because God had been preparing them. Like Rachel was talking about the first conversation, the second conversation. Maybe uh, they had one fellow we talked to. He'd read the Bible four times, the book of Mark four times. And uh, before they left their country to come on tours, to be a tourist, uh, they said, God, please reveal yourself to us. Wow. And uh, Lisa and I and a friend of ours who could speak their language uh, walked up to them, and uh, we were talking to them, and they said, this is the best thing that's happened to us. We're on our honeymoon, and we got to meet you. And so oh. they just wanted to talk about spiritual things for an hour. We went to a coffee shop and sat down, and it was awesome. And, you know, you talk about those 50 conversations, if that's when someone would come to know Christ, it's conversation number 50. So what's more important, conversation number one, number five, or number 50? Well, they're all important. And so, again, putting the seeds in there. Yeah. So, um, Diane, I know you were able to share the gospel with many. What kind of response did you get from them? And did any of them choose to follow Jesus while you were there? Uh, like Marty said, we were in a very populated, heavy, uh, touristy place. And, and Diane, uh, hold the mic up a little oh, yeah. closer. There we go. So our plan, ooh, okay. So the day was at least, at least five hours, sometimes a lot longer, but of just going up to people on a busy street and um, having our national partners tell us, okay, they're from our country, they speak our language, go talk to them. And we would say... In their language, we'd say, hello, happy new year. Are you from that country? We love that country. We pray for that country. And they would be like, oh, what? And I said, I had a little backpack. I said, I have a gift for you. And we'd give them the book of John in their language. And it had their writing on it. Like, what is this? And I would tell them. So our national partner showed me where John fourteen twenty seven is. And I said, this book changed my life and I showed them John 14 27 and I had them read it and you know what the word of God is active and living and there was a time we were at a um, mall it was late it was the end of the day and it was very uh, you know had been stressful day and this lady looked so tired and weary sort of like what is this are you trying to sell me something so she'd look down and I saw her reading and she looked up like you know, kind of the way I felt when I first heard that verse. Like, what? That's truth I've never heard before. God, um, peace I give you, not as the world gives, but as I give. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And you could tell it transformed her then and there. So I don't know what conversation that was. But at the end of another day, we were, I was, what are the jars of clay, the little tagline is, 
God's power in our weakness. And boy, did I feel that. I was, you know, it was exhausting. And my mom had just died. And I was um, feeling pretty exhausted about all of the things. And I felt very, very, very weak. And every day we would pray together in the mornings. And uh, we would say, God, bring to us the people who you're calling to yourself. And empower us. And so um, at the end of a very long day, I was just pooped and our teammates were pooped. And the woman had been having some um, health issues and was really exhausted throughout the week. And I just sat down waiting for everybody else to gather. And I turned to a guy that was about this close. And I was like, just some stranger sitting next to me. I was like, oh, hello, where are you from? And he said the name of the country. And I was like, of course you are. Of course you are. I'm wiped out. I'm so exhausted. Sure. So I said, oh, well, happy new year. And I have a gift for you. And he and his wife were just picture perfect, like models. They were just gorgeous. And I was like, oh, wow, we have a gift for you. And it was, it turned into this amazing conversation. And I said, this book changed my life. John 14, 27, and he could speak English, and so he was translating to his wife. And peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, but as I give. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And his wife, she was holding the book in her hand. She didn't speak English, I didn't think. And she said, can I kiss you? (laughs) I was like, yeah, let's go for it. So, you know, I hugged her. And immediately she started heaving, sobbing, weeping. And she said, and then um, I got our national partner over to come and join me and communicate with her. And we, you know, consoled. And I sat next to the man. And he said, their countenance, he just fell. He said, oh, we have so many problems. It's just life is so hard. And they proceeded to tell us some of the things. And um, our national partners were able to speak into their lives. And the four of us quietly walked away to watch. And they committed their lives to Christ that night on that busy street. And it was really amazing. So that was the last conversation before they entered the kingdom. But there's going to be a lot more conversations, right? And it was really powerful to see that conversation. But we had lots of other ones that we didn't see that. But yes, we saw other people come to Christ. Thanks, Diane. So, Don, there are a lot of Muslims that come to know Jesus, have to flee their homeland out of fear of being persecuted for their new faith in Jesus. What was your observation? So, yes, many of our, all of our partners there have fled their, their country of origin out of fear for their life. They have faced persecution and discrimination that is unbelievable. And a couple of concepts I'm going to share here I really learned from Diane's husband, Jeff. And they're spot on, I think. One is that biblical persecution really happens when you have actively shared the gospel. And they, are, they have faced this and continue to face it. And they have the same choice that we would have. You can fight, you can flee, or you can rise above. And I'll circle back here in a moment. I want to share a couple of stories of what they've shared with us. They don't dwell on the discrimination and persecution they've faced. To them, it's just everyday life. It's part of being a believer. Mm. But they have faced persecution for their life. They have been imprisoned. One man was in jail for four years. 
He was beaten so severely, his jaw was broken, and of course there's no medical treatment, so it did not heal right, and has a permanent injury from that. Another man was imprisoned and held in handcuffs in, in an incorrect way that caused enough damage to his hands and motor skills. He had to change his profession that he was training. He can no longer function in that capacity. And today, they're all living in this country where we went. They are there as refugees in a country that does not welcome them. They are tolerated, but they are not welcomed. And they still face discrimination as believers. They cannot work legally. They cannot engage in anything legally. One young man in his mid to upper 20s has educated himself. He wanted to take the GED, the high school equivalency exam. It's only offered in two large cities in this country. And he flew his own expense, left his job. He's not getting paid to go there. He, and these people have to have permission from the authorities to leave the city where they are leaving. They can't come and go as they please. So he flew where we were to take this exam. And when he got there, they said, oh, no, you're a Christian. You can't take the exam just because they want to be that way. Yeah, another man, the man who had the broken jaw, the United Nations will give money to help these people find a country for resettlement. But the government of this country where they're living said, oh, give us the money. We'll take care of him and get him the help he needs. So the United Nations gave them the money, but when he went to get help, they looked at his documents and said, oh, you're a Christian, you got what you deserve. See ya. There's no hope. When they leave the country where they are fleeing from, they leave with literally nothing but the clothes that they are wearing. Their passports are taken, their identification is taken, any money they have is confiscated, they have nothing. So this one couple we met three years ago, they were pregnant and they had debated should we have a child or not. They're at the age that they needed to have children if they're going to. But what do they do in this situation? So they decided to trust God and have a, a baby, and they have a beautiful three-year-old girl. She's just darling. But Marty asked him, well, what about her citizenship? What is she? And her, her dad just said, nothing. She's nothing. She has no citizenship in the country they came from, not where they're at. She has no documents. You know, what does that do for her life? You know, I, I want to circle back to this idea of fighting, fleeing, or rising above. Sometimes it's a combination, and I think that our partners there would say that this persecution is just part of daily life as part of being a believer. But I would say that they are rising above. They are sharing the gospel message with their fellow countrymen. There are refugees that are showing up in this country, and they are sharing with them, leading them to Christ. And the native people in this country who are still discriminating against them, they're reaching out to them as well. And the whole northern coast of this country has had no churches. And guess what's showing up? The partners are planting churches, and now there are small house churches all along that northern part of that country. Wow. Awesome. And, and I want to piggyback on something Rachel was talking about, fear. You know, don't let fear stop you. And I would say don't let fear stop you. If you have any interest, you think God is leading you, don't wait until you feel ready because you'll never be ready. God will work through you where you're at. Thank you, Don. Lisa, talk about that. Those that might consider going, how difficult is the trip? Well, I have to also piggyback on what Don and Rachel has, have said. Um, you know, I think, now I'm speaking of myself personally, and, I'm, and I am sure there's people 
out here who feel the same way I did. Um, I never thought I would leave the country to go on a trip like this. And I definitely didn't think I was smart enough or religious enough to go on a trip like this. And, um, you know, just to make it quick, you know, Marty and I did go three years ago for our first time. What was the whole team's first time to go? Um, I kind of thought, well, no, I don't want to go. And then God just kept putting this thought in my mind and praying about it. I told Marty one Sunday before we came to church, I really think God wants us to go. And Marty about fell out of his chair. (laughs) And so, but I really did struggle with fear. Um, You know, I didn't know what to expect. I had heard stories like what the team had done. And and I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do what they did. But this, this trip... Um, I would really, really encourage you guys in the future when this comes up again to consider going. It is a relatively non-difficult trip. Um, You know, you get well-trained. We had mentors who mentored us very, very well before we went the first time and before we were thinking about going the second time. Of course, the second time, um, we didn't go because of covid or maybe we missed out on twice, but then we went this year. and um, But anyways, you know, you get training. They tell you what you need to learn. Um, you know, once you get over there, you meet with the people who are there and your partners. And, you know, again, they explain things. They kind of tell you what to do. Um, you know, and, and the first year was a little bit of a shock. I had to get out of my comfort zone. And, but you know what? I grew so much by it. Um, and definitely going back this second year was a lot easier. And it was nice because we already knew a lot of the people because we had met them three years ago. Um, so is the trip difficult? In some ways, I mean, you have to be able to walk at least five miles a day on cobblestone. And, you know, when you're walking, you have to, um, Oh, you know, it's just different over there. So, but it's not like you're walking this brisk walk every day. You know, you're walking some, you stop and talk. You walk a little more, you stop and talk. So it's not like you get your heart rate up too high. Um, So so really, as long as you can walk five miles a day and go up and down stairs, you know, you're going to be just fine. As long as you can sit in an airplane for about, I don't know, 17 hours. You know what? You're okay. Um, Yeah. And, you know, and you got to remember, you're going over there as a tourist. So we are in the areas where all the tourists are going. We're we're in the nice places. We stay in a nice hotel. You know, Um, the breakfast is like a vegetarian buffet every morning, almost. I mean, I mean, there's some protein. I mean, well, anyway, you got to go to experience the breakfast in the hotel. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just fun. Um, so, anyways, you know, you get to go to nice parts of the city. You get to go on a boat ride. And you get to meet all these really wonderful people who are so happy to meet you. Um, I, I, I really think you should go. And, you know... 
I, I think there is a minimum age, and that might have been 18 to be able to go. And young people in this church really need to go on this trip because this is a very first good trip to go on if you have never, ever been on a trip overseas. And you know what? If you're 70 years and older and you can walk and go upstairs, you really need to consider going on this trip too. Um, you know, it's just for any age. And, you know, you're just really, really going to grow by it. And, and again, it's, yes, there's, there's some things, you know, that you have to work through. And going to this city, um, you know, we could get by with the English. A lot of people speak English. And you're always with your team. You know, you always have somebody with your team with you all the time. Um, and, so, and, and a partner. So, yeah, it's just great. Great. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, as I said, there's more opportunity for you to hear next Sunday right after church. Uh, you can sign up for newcupchurch.org slash events, and we'll serve you lunch and, 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 and take care of that. Uh, opportunity for you to hear much more. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that wants to know Jesus and make him known, and that is our goal. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that we would know you well and that we wouldn't just leave, leave that, uh, that introduction to you alone. God, may we go deep with you, and then may we share you with others. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you let them know you're glad they came?